Listeners, start your engines. Detours episode one. Rob here. You can find more episodes of the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcatchers, as well as crookedtable.com. On this episode, Lauren Carey of the Beard Owl Podcast joins us to talk all about the Ace Ventura franchise, talk about taking it back to the 90s. But do we really know who Ace Ventura is? What defines Ace Ventura when you take away the Hawaiian shirt, the wacky hair, and the mountain of catchphrases. Who is Ace Ventura according to these movies? Let's get into it and find out. Welcome to the first episode of Franchise Detours, where we believe no movie series travels in a straight line. This episode, we're going to be talking about the Ace Ventura franchise. That's Ace Ventura Pet Detective from 1994. Ace Ventura, When Nature Calls from 1995, and Ace Ventura Jr. Pet Detective or Pet Detective Jr. from 2009. And uh, two-thirds of that franchise, obviously, starring Jim Carrey. I'm joined by Lauren Carey. No relation, Uh I'm assuming. No, no, he's got an extra R. Have you been jealous of the extra R? That sounded, there's a little bit of bitterness there. Uh, no, no, I think that's like, that's like the Canadian spelling of the last name. Cause I have drew on my side. So I'm fine with that. Nice. That's true. That's true. Mariah is on uh-huh. your side too. Yep. Yeah, that's true. There's more C-A-R-E-Y's than they are with the double R's. That's true. Um, so Lauren, you're coming from the Beard Owl podcast. There's not really any connections here. The last time we talked on one of my shows was on UHF. So just going into the Ace Ventura franchise, what is your history, if you have any, with with Ace Ventura? Oh, gosh. Well, I first of all, there is a connection with the Beard Al podcast, of course, my show where we talk about beer and Weird Al, in that Ace Ventura spends most of his time in Hawaiian shirts. So he does. That's true. That's, you know, I'm, I got to make connections where I can. But yeah, I loved the first movie. When it came out in 1994, I was like nine or 10. I was probably too young to get a lot of what was going on in it. But I mean, he was Jim Carrey in those movies. And we can touch on this more as we go. But he was basically like a human cartoon, which definitely appeals to a kid. So I I got such a kick out of them when they came out. So I'm ready to go. And all righty then. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, this is it, it's it's wild because this was obviously a lot of people's I mean, In Living Color was already a thing and Jim Carrey was like a big breakout star of that. But this was his like main line entrance into movie stardom. He'd been in Once Bitten and a bunch of other movies. Earth Girls are easy, you know, things like that before this. Mm-hmm. But this is this is like his spotlight movie and, and his breakout and for me being 11 years old when this came out was like the sweet spot. Like this was, I I was so obsessed with this character with both movies. I, I even, there was a period where I was wearing like white shirts with like crazy shirts over it, like trying to kind of (laughs) emulate that. 
that style. And I still like watching the first one last night in preparation for this episode for the millionth time. Uh, I was still like, quote, like remembering the entire thing pretty much verbatim, probably annoying the hell out of my wife. So it's it's crazy because this was such a breakout hit, 107 million worldwide. It was the directing debut of Tom Shadiak. And I think a lot of people forget that Jim Carrey actually has a writing credit on this first movie. So what is it about this? You know, what what is this first movie, Lauren, establish about Ace Ventura? Like this is the entrance into a franchise. What does it establish as the world of Ace Ventura? Like what is the the tone? What are some of the hallmarks that would be set up for the sequels? Yeah, so I think this basically, I, I, as I kind of said at the beginning, this sets Ace Ventura up as kind of being a cartoon of a man. He is, I don't want to use the term anti-hero because he's not quite an anti-hero, I, I, I think, but he's definitely an unconventional protagonist in that he's not conventionally handsome. He's not suave. You know, he's just unabashedly himself throughout this whole thing, you know, for for better or worse. And I find myself inclined to appreciate a man that has a connection with animals the way that he does. So like already right, right there, he's getting some bonus points. But he's a flawed man, but he's a good man. And I think his heart is most of the, at least in the first movie, his heart is in the right place. And he's a likable enough character if you're in the right place to accept him as a likable character. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's the inaccurate read. It's also like when this was, when this was being sort of uh, pitched and conceptualized, they were kind of Morgan Creek, the production company was sort of looking at it as like kind of a fletch for the nineties. And it does have sort of a comedy noir kind of feel to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think a lot of that, a lot of the the characters mannerisms came from Jim Carrey had a character on in living color. And in my research, I came across this and then watched some of it on YouTube. But I was like, yeah, he he's, he's basically the, like, a character that is apparently known as overly confident gay man. Yeah. From in living yeah, color that, yeah. That he's very much that I think he even says, all righty then at one point in that character. And he, his whole thing, he's he's talked about about how he he based the character largely on birds, like the movement of his care of the character, and that kind of his stand up persona was sort of this like insane level of confidence, this like unflappable guy was just kind of his thing, and I think he brings that to this character, and that's what's part of what makes him so so interesting and so. In a way, it feels weird to call Ace Ventura complex, but he but though, yeah, he, he he is though. Yeah, like some of the some of the things that I came up with was that you know other people that were talked about with this for this were like Rob Schneider or like Adam Sandler, and I'm like that's exactly the wrong kind of movie. That that what makes Ace Ventura interesting is that he does have depth to him. He doesn't seem like he does. But he's, first of all, like you were saying, the animal activist angle already, you know, sort of endearing you just inherently based on his passion for animals. But then he's, he comes off sort of as an eccentric genius. Like he, he's essentially sort of a, a, uh, like a weird animal obsessed savant in a way. Yeah. Yeah. He's definitely like an animal savant. And, you know, you're mentioning, you know, Adam Sandler and Rob Schneider and, and, they're both funny guys, but they don't have the physicality that Jim Carrey has. I mean, nobody has the physicality that Jim Carrey has. And I think that's what really makes 
Ace Ventura, Ace Ventura, right? And and I didn't mm-hmm. know that he based him off of like a bird. That's interesting because now when I'm picturing Ace Ventura in my head, all I'm seeing yeah. is bird, you know, because you've got the hair that's kind of exactly. like the the main, you know, like, you know, that little tuft on the top of a bird. He is a bird. And, you know, yeah, he's an unflappable bird. Yeah. And I like, the, the, I like the Hawaiian, that. The Hawaiian shirts are like his plumage. Yeah, And then like the way he moves his neck just kind of like, Man. You can't unsee it now, right? No, I can't. That's it. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if you've made his Ventura better for me or ruined it for me, but all I'm going to see him is him as a bird now. Yeah, and then, so there's like it, it baked into the character. There's sort of a, a level of of cleverness. Like you, you as an audience are confident that he is always one step ahead of not only us but every other character on screen. Yes, that's and I think so that, true. Yeah, and I and I think that's like that's what makes him a fun character to follow and to root for. He's got all these weird quirks, but at its at his he, he's got a there's a heart beneath all of that. And I think this movie, you know, really touches on that way more than the sequel, which we'll get to in a moment, but you know, is there, are there any instances in which you feel like that Jim Carrey kind of gets underneath uh, the facade that Ace Ventura kind of presents? Cause he's very theatrical. I was watching it. I was watching the scene at, at Ron Camp's sort of like mansion party situation and mm-hmm. he's breaking, you know, into the bathroom and he's being like sneaking around like very performatively. And I'm laughing because it's like, there's no one in there. This is just for his benefit. Like he's just trying to make things fun for him. And I feel like part of that may have rubbed off on me. Like as a kid watching this, I'm like, yeah, things should just be fun. Just enjoy yourself. Look yeah, at Ace Ventura. Exactly. No, things should just be fun. And I think I didn't think of this until just now, but yeah, when he's, when he does these performative things that are just for himself for no actual reason, that's such an animal thing to do. Like, have you ever yeah. seen a dog just kind of roll onto his back and wiggle around for no reason? For no reason. That's how they're, that's how they're comfortable. You know, that's what makes them, yeah. You know, just having fun for no reason. Or like, I, I was playing with uh, my dog in the yard just this afternoon and I have a, a ball and it's a, it's a squeaky ball. And so I'll throw it to her, she'll catch it and she'll bring it back to me, but she's making it squeak in her mouth the entire time. And then she'll kind of walk up to me and just kind of like keep squeaking it. Like she knows what we're doing. She knows she needs to give the ball back to me, but she's being like super performative with herself, just making this ball squeak because she can, you know? So I think him doing stuff like that adds to the fact that not only is he like an animal savant, like he has some like animal characteristics in in kind of like an adorable way. Yeah, totally. Totally. And and I think that's also part of why you need someone like Jim Carrey. He kind of has an inherent everyman quality to him where you're like automatically, you know, there's something there's something kind of I don't know, relatable about him like you were saying he's good looking but not like movie star, intimidating, you know what I mean? There's a balance there where he feels he feels like one of us but then acts like Jim Carrey. So I, I think that also kind of helps us kind of draw in, draw us into whatever he's doing on screen. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And, you know, the, the, the situations that he gets himself into in this movie, I liked when you said that, like, as an audience, we're just taking for granted that he's one step ahead of what's going on. And I think for most of this first movie, he like, he really is one step ahead of what's going on. Like he has some sort of a sixth sense about what's, 
you know, about what's going on, even when he doesn't know exactly what's happening, he's so close to it. Like he's on the right track almost the entire time. I'm sure you're going to get to it at some point, but the, the big twist in this first movie. Oh, well, we'll, we'll get to that. Yes, for sure. Yeah, he's he didn't pick up on that as early as he could have, but he's so close. Exactly. And and there's it's always fun watching I I think it's way more fun watching a weird person who's good at his job as opposed to just an idiot kind of bumbling through things, you know? And I I think that's the difference that Jim Carrey brought to this that another actor like an Adam Sandler, who's, you know, again, it's funny in his own right, totally different comedic style. That would have been like watching The Water Boy. It would have been like more of that kind of thing as yeah. opposed to the intentionality. Like he drives, the reason our entire conversation up to this point has only been about Jim Carrey is because he drives this, which is why it, it baffles my mind how many times Hollywood has been like, yeah, we're going to make a sequel to that Jim Carrey movie, but no, nah, we're not going to pay Jim Carrey. We're just going to get you know, whoever and just spin it off without him. And it's like, no, a Jim Carrey movie is inhabited by Jim Carrey. He's too big a presence to just slap another actor in there in a, in a, either in a different version of that character or another similar character. It doesn't work like that. Right. Right. Cause all that ends up happening is somebody doing a really bad Jim Carrey impression and nobody wants that. Exactly. And we've got enough of that. (laughs) <laughs> they haven't learned this. It's like every no. single time. But the, but there's a you know there's a purity to to Jim Carrey to to Ace Ventura to the character. There's a purity to his mission. He really cares about Snowflake. He really cares about the animals. I mean, the, you know he he's hoarding a bunch of them in his apartment and has like yeah. a, a signal to so that they all hide from his landlord. I mean that's his thing. That's his, he's so passionate about it. And that that is you know kind of puts us on his side from the beginning. And then. You know, we were talking about how he's he's got a he's a good person, he's got a good heart. One of my my favorite little moments that I feel like most people just like drive right past is when he's frustrated. We get the whole montage with him checking everybody's rings and he's sitting outside and he's drinking iced tea with a pre-friends by like, I don't know, seven or eight months or whatever, Courtney uh-huh. Cox. And he's frustrated and he's lashing out at her and he's being very insulting and demeaning to her. And then she gets fed up and walks away and he's like talking to the dog. And he's, he's like, oh, you, you know, you, you like her? Yeah, she's all right. And he gets up and he walks over. And there's this one of my favorite and most telling moments, I think, of, of Ace Ventura in this movie is that he drops the act. You know what? I'm not even going to talk to you. Would you please leave? Why? So you can beat him? Batty. You're unbelievable. You know, hiring you is the biggest mistake I ever made. Well, why don't you cry about it? Saddlebags. like her huh yeah she's all right melissa look melissa i uh he drops the catchphrases and he's like being opening himself up and being vulnerable with her for a split second before they cut to, you know, Roger Bedactor has been murdered and all that other stuff. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's so important. That's that feels like a moment that most studios would have just been like, yeah, you don't need that scene. Just cut right to, you know, she gets the phone call. And I think it's so important because it, it shows you that this person is a human being underneath his like 
his his bird-like persona that he's kind of crafted. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? And I, has that, did that moment ever really stand out to you? Because it, it's just always really did to me. No, it, it didn't stand out to me in the way that you, like, yes, like I, I got that it was there because mm-hmm. I know exactly the scene that you're talking about. I, I didn't put as much, you know, mental emphasis on it as you are right now, but I definitely agree that that part of the movie and the development of Ace Ventura as a character in this film needs that needs that moment yeah for you to see that like yeah this bird man is actually a human you know <laughs> and, and like no matter how ridiculous he is he's a person with you know deeper feelings and stuff that we all kind of experience and yeah it definitely serves to make him more relatable as as relatable as Ace Ventura can be <laughs> Right, right. And he enters the movie, you know, with the whole HDS sequence and and just like when he meets Melissa, she's just more weirded out by him than anything else. But mm-hmm. by the by that point in the movie, you sort of buy like why she would be into him. Like you need to be able to see some more to him so that when they kind of end up together, that that it makes sense. It tracks. It's not just like, wait, what the hell did she see? In this guy, I'm like, oh, he's a genius. He actually does. You know, there's there's more going on than just, you know, him doing a Star, uh, Star Trek impress, impressions into the bottom of Snowflake's tank. There's got to yeah. be something else going on. And I think this movie really gets to that. For sure. Oh, for sure. Like, this is, in a lot of cases where the first movie is so, so good, this is definitely the best one out of the, the quote-unquote franchise that is Ace Ventura. <laughs> right. You know, because in my mind, like, this is Ace Ventura. Everything else that comes after that is like, oh, okay, they're capitalizing on Ace Ventura. But this move, you know, faults and all, is Ace Ventura for right. me. Right. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree 100%. I love the, the you know, we're both in Florida. I love the Miami setting. I love yeah. the, how much it deals with the Dolphins. Dan Marino is in it. Tone Loke, like even like the whole the world of Ace Ventura that this creates with Mr. Shikadance, with with Emilio, with all of that. His relationship with with the uh, the police officers, all of that stuff, the dynamics that it creates. I love that, and that's a lot of what we'll get to. We lose in the second one. Basically, all of that is stripped away yeah. uh, instantly from the very beginning, and I. Don't know why they made that decision exactly, but that I, I enjoy the 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 seeing Yus Ventura in his in his natural habitat to stick with all the animal animal puns and stuff. Yeah, yeah, his but, natural um, habitat. That's great. That's great. <laughs> yeah, because that that's what it is. What like when he's outside of that, it doesn't work nearly as well in my brain. Right. Right. One hundred percent. And of course, you know, you get a lot of '90s kind of comedy tropes, the wacky montage with the you know Aerosmith playing and all of that. And of course, we have to mention the the big twist with Lois Einhorn is Finkel is Einhorn. Einhorn is Finkel. Yeah. And how that has probably kind of undermined this movie's like uh, standing critically because of how poorly that is all aged. So yeah. it's like I have to when I watch it now, I have to completely separate out. Like, okay, I love this movie because I've been watching it forever, but like that whole thing has not has not stood the test of time. What are your thoughts on on kind of the whole the whole Einhorn Finkel situation? Oh yes, the Einhorn Finkel situation. That's the technical term. Could have been the subtitle. <laughs> yeah, it could have been. Yeah, you know, it's an interesting twist because it's not obvious 
You know, you can tell that Ace is on the right track with the, you know, the stone from the AFC championship ring. So he's looking for a guy, you know, and this, that, and the other. And like on first watch, you're not, you're not thinking that, you know, nobody's thinking that Einhorn is Finkel. But yeah, the way it was handled again in, you know, in hindsight, not super great, right? Like Ace kisses Einhorn at one point and then once he realizes what the truth is what we get like it's at least a full minute in the movie of him like rinsing his mouth out and like taking a shower because he like quote kissed a man and like that is so I don't even like using the word problematic yeah because there's there's a better word for it but it's just it's not right today you know it's it's transphobic there's an air of like you know, fear of the unknown or fear of the, you know, the otherness that's going on that, that definitely undermines the, the whimsy and joy of the, like what the rest of this movie kind of is. Yep. Yeah, no, I a hundred percent agree there. You get that one kind of gay joke in the bathroom and that, that you could just chalk up to, Oh, it was the nineties. That's whatever. We didn't know any better. But the fact that the whole third act twist is this huge, like, transphobic slash homophobic situation where everyone is just like so disgusted it's it's Jim Carrey has spoken about it and he's talking he's he said about how it would be so much different today and that the joke was really supposed to be they're kind of making fun of homophobia and if that was if it was just the gag in it with you know him burning his clothes and all the toothpaste and the plunger and stuff then I might buy that but the fact that you get to the end and that every the entire cast of the movie is just like so grossed out and disgusted and just this like wave of of kind of basically hate coming at, at on screen, I think that it just yeah, it just I, considering how much I I love this movie and that aside and how it's still as you were saying the the by far the the best is if if you know only if the only really great part of this franchise it just really makes me wish it was a that story went a different direction because like i feel like it, it kind of like taints this movie yeah. to a certain degree by today's standards now where you're like oh ace ventura we don't talk about that one and i'm like oh man damn it ace ventura why did you have to go there yeah and i you know what here's the thing i'm okay with them going there but it's the reactions to Right. It's the reactions of like all of the other characters when they ultimately exactly. got there. That's the problem. And, you know, interestingly, when when they show this movie on TV, I because I remember as a kid seeing this, you know, that big reveal scene at the end when when Einhorn turns around and you you see it. Yeah. Big old the, Mr. Yeah. Kanish. Yeah. You see it. Ladies and gentlemen, my esteemed colleague, Mr. Marino has just brought some new evidence to my attention. Now, history has certainly shown that even the most intuitive criminal investigator can be wrong from time to time. But if I am mistaken, if the lieutenant is indeed a woman as she claims to be, then my friend, she is suffering from the worst case of hemorrhoids I have ever seen! That's why Roger Pedactor is dead! He found Captain Winky. I remember as a kid, like I had, like, because I, I was like watching it with my like mom and dad and brother, and I'm like, "What's that? Oh my god!" You know, and that's like I, 
I'm picturing it in my head, like right now, but like when you see it on TV, they cut that one shot out of it. Yeah. I mean, it's still pretty obvious what's going on, even if you don't, (laughs) even if you don't know, but yeah, it's, it could have been handled so much better. Like I'm okay with the fact that, you know, Finkel, you know, transitioned. I'm not okay with the fact that Finkel basically did it all out of revenge. Yeah. And in a nefarious scheme to get even with Dan Marino, who will be, <laughs> who, be blamed for the entire thing, like to quote the whole thing, because yeah, he has a whole spiel where he. Yeah. It's like, uh, uh, like, are you, are you seriously, are you going to transition gender for, for, for revenge? Right. Like that. I also don't, I also don't understand, <laughs> you know, that's a lot to go through just because you missed a field goal. <laughs> right. You no, know? right. I, yeah. So you have to suspend a lot of disbelief and you also have to put aside a lot of your more politically correct, you know, thoughts at the end of this movie. <laughs> but for it sure. still holds up for me. It, it, it holds up for me minus what, what I was just saying about about that whole ending. But yes, yeah. I, I think to what, for what it's worth, I think Sean Young is really good in this movie, I guess, too. So there's that for yeah. what she was handed. I, I think she's she's really good in the film as Lois Einhorn. So it's a whole thing, but yeah. So the, when, when, once we get it, it ends with him and Melissa together and beating the crap out of the bird at the, at the Super Bowl. Yeah. And, which is uh, great. Cause I hate the Eagles. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And <laughs> then we get the aces in the house single, which by the way, they reuse in uh, Ace Ventura Jr. Whatever. Like that's the only involvement of, Jim Carrey is that that spoken word thing at the very beginning of the the song Aces in the House, the Tone Logue song. Tone, put on that big ass size thirteen on and kick it for the home. <laughs> it was way too easy for me to pull that out of out of thin air. But yeah, so that that we see him there, and then obviously this movie came out was a huge hit. They kept Jim Carrey on board. Tom Shadyac, the director, is gone. Shadyac and Jack Bernstein, the other two credited writers, are gone. Steve Odekirk, who is friends with Jim Carrey stepped in as writer and director for When Nature Calls. And this starts out with, so we end with the, you know, this kind of, like I said, comedy noir set in Miami, and it starts with a cliffhanger parody? Question mark, I guess. Yes, question mark, um, question mark. <laughs> and I feel like right from the beginning, they you can see how this, uh, first of all, what are your thoughts on When Nature Calls, I guess, before uh, we get into it, just uh. briefly. Yeah. Okay. My initial thoughts on when nature calls is I feel like the Ace Ventura character changed way too much for me at his core. And the, the movie has no real plot or direction that I can really appreciate in any way. There's some good little sight gags and, you know, one-liners in it, but overall it's, it's, you know, leagues and leagues and leagues below the first one. Okay. Yeah. We're pretty much in line. At the time this came out in November of 1995, I remember, I think I even, did I skip school to go see this on opening day? I might have. (laughs) I think I went with my dad to go see this on opening day in November of 1995. I remember waiting in line in front of a movie theater to buy our tickets when that was a thing that people did. First of all, waiting in line. And secondly, going to movie theaters, I guess. Yeah. Uh, both of those. <laughs> now we're starting to kind of get back into that little by little. But but so yeah, this was a huge thing for me. And this was one of those VHSs that I watched both of these so much. Again, I was 12 when this came out. So 
in the years since then, I've, I my appreciation for it has dwindled more and more, more and more with each subsequent watch. And it's not one I've seen a whole lot in the last decade or decade plus, but it's one sadly that I do have a lot of it committed to memory just because of all those, all those 12 year old Rob watching Ace Ventura when nature calls like before school or whatever I was doing. So yeah, I think in the very few, in the first few minutes, you already get that sense. Like they're already cramming in every single catchphrase they can possibly do. Like in the first two seconds, he does the the loser thing. Loser. I kind of rushed through that because I didn't want to spend 10 seconds on that. But yes, it's just, (laughs) he, he, he is in this movie, this is where he literally becomes the cartoon character. Like not literally, literally, because the animated series comes out like the the month after this, which was on on TV for, I think, like three years or something like that. And is, you know, a decent replica, just decent replication of Jim Carrey's voice and likeness. So that there's that going for it. But this is where, yeah, he's just a catchphrase machine. The the heart and soul that we talked about, pretty much absent completely. And it's, you know, completely disconnected from everything we just said. There's no Melissa. There's no anyone from the first film. It's just just Jim Carrey and new cast and crew and a different case. I'm I'm fine with him taking, you know, focusing obviously on another case, even if it takes him elsewhere. You know, I do get a sense from this that it's kind of, it reminds me of what I used to hate about sitcoms in the 90s where like, oh, the cast of Full House and they go to Disney World and they're there for two episodes. I'm like, I don't want to watch them just hang out in a place I don't like what is what do go back to your you know your normal environment do you do you kind of feel that same way like with with movie sequels when they're just like how about this person but here instead yeah yeah there's it's a hard road to walk you know like it worked for the, the I, I guess the only I don't know why this popped into my head but like back to the future right completely yeah. different setting it's you know in the future versus the past from the original timeline. So like there's decades and decades and decades between. So it's like the same character, but in a completely different time and like that still works. So like the fact that that worked, Oh, the fact that all three back to the future movies worked, I feel like might've given a lot of people license to say, Oh, well we could put the same character anywhere, you know? Uh, if, if if Marty can be in the wild, wild west, why can't Ace Ventura be in Africa? And it's like, no, not necessarily, because like we were saying, it rips a lot of the heart and soul out of it. And part of that has to do with setting. But for me also that we have to kind of look at Jim Carrey's career and what was going on at this time, too, because what came out between Ace Ventura, Pet Detective and Ace Ventura, When Nature Calls, The Mask. Mm-hmm. Okay. And for me, on on my rewatch of Ace Ventura, When Nature Calls, I got a lot of that mask character in that Ace Ventura, in that he wasn't as warm. He wasn't as funny. He he had a bit more of an edge like to him that doesn't work for that character. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it might have something to do with the fact that like and, and again, the sequel came out a year after the first one. That is like way too fast for a sequel to come out. Way too fast. You know, there is no time to let things marinate, to think about like, okay, if we're going to put a sequel out, are we going to do it right or are we going to do it to make money? You know, and right. obviously they did it to make money um, and they made money. 
but oh yeah, like like they didn't do it right. I feel like if a second Ace Ventura film had come out maybe three or four years after the first one instead of the following year with Jim Carrey doing the mask in between, I guarantee he was probably filming some of it simultaneously somewhere because there's a, like I said, there's a lot of his mask character in this second movie, Ace Ventura. I don't find him as likable, much like I don't find the mask likable, if that makes sense. No, that makes sense. I think I didn't I actually never really thought about the connection between the mask and, and this movie. But, you know, Ace Ventura came out, I think, early January, February, 94. Then the mask, Dumb and Dumber, Batman Forever. And then this. So oh I think this, this is all within like an 18 month period. Oh so, <laughs> so I think it's also just like it, maybe Jim Carrey was burning himself out on doing Jim Carrey stuff. I don't I don't know. But I think the, the thing with the mask is that the mask himself is not really supposed to be likable it's stanley ipkiss and then when he's the mask he's pure id but here he's just the unlikable part of the character and and without that 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 heart without the stanley ipkiss inside of him kind of steering the ship i guess and so you just have jim carrey being insane with no foundation upon which other than he's sad that the raccoon died i guess and even yeah. that, they like they just use the whole holy man thing as a justification for him to not sleep with the, the princess immediately, basically. Uh. Uh, I've never known Emma. I would love to help. But you see, I have vowed to take a life of celibacy. Well, perhaps this will assist your decision. Those are very nice. But I am a child of light, a pure spirit. I am no longer encumbered by the appetites of the flesh. Which is like a total... Uh, not only that, you know, if we get into, if we're going to, it's a comedy, so you have to kind of cut it some slack, but like cultural depictions of like uh-huh. African tribes and how like their customs are spitting on each other and all this other random w- weird shit. It's, it's, it's a big, it's a big mess. And I think part of that is, is just the script was inherently flawed. Jim Carrey has said that he wasn't really the biggest fan of this movie and the way that it ended up going. I think part of that is Steve Oderkirk's sensibility, not really gelling with Tom Shadiak's initial vision for this character. Tom Shadiak, who who worked with Jim later on in Liar Liar and Bruce Almighty, I think he kind of knows how to use how to use Jim's Jim Carrey's and we're on a first name basis now, by the way. Yeah, how, to use, how to use Jim's sensibility on screen and have this be emotionally engaged, but also, you know, let him kind of have all the antics you would expect in a Jim Carrey movie. I yeah. don't feel like Steve Steve Oderkirk is really capable of finding that balance. No. I mean, if it no, yeah. When you were saying all that, like the I kept thinking, like, yeah, Jim Carrey's like garlic. He can enhance a dish, like those his antics enhance a dish okay but like you can have too much garlic and it'll ruin it and you're gonna feel pretty like crappy later if you have too much garlic or at least have like you know problems with garlic like I do I can handle garlic a little bit but like if you put too much garlic in it I'm gonna have a problem so I'm just like yeah Ace Ventura 
when nature calls, it's like he basically just put an entire like head of garlic in. Like he wasn't even thinking like about how to judiciously use what Jim Carrey does in a, in a, in a deft sort of way. He just kind of like, he dumped it all in and said, well, uh, everybody likes this. That's what the people want. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I, I think had this not been an Ace Ventura movie, and if you had like a different protagonist and that was the tone of the movie, maybe it would work better, I think. But it, it being a sequel just inherently kind of, invites comparisons to the original and how the character changed from one to the next. Cause I, I do like, uh, weirdly, uh, I do think Steve Odekirk's kind of sensibility works for something like Kung Pao, which he also directed and starred in Kung Pao, yeah, yeah, yeah. Best, which is a ridiculous movie, but is really funny in its own right. And in, in it's, in it's with what it's trying to do. So I think it's just, you're taking someone who's, whose style doesn't match the character we were introduced to in the first movie. And, just pretending like, oh, nope, this is the way he always was. You, you didn't, you just missed it last time, I guess. There's more gross out, gross out humor in this movie. Ace is way more obnoxious, as we were kind of alluding to. It's, mm-hmm. you know, to, to his credit, I do think Jim Carrey, it gives a good performance in what he is given here. He commits himself to the bit, as it were. And there are some pretty interesting, like, pretty interesting sequences or like whether that or whether they're funny or not could be debated, but like the monopoly guy sequence in the party, the rhino scene. Yeah. The rhino scene lives rent free in my head. I love that. That's so funny. (laughs) Getting pretty hot in these rhinos. Um, (laughs) The, the battle with the, 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 I guess the battle of the former in living color stars with Jim Carrey and Tommy Davidson. Uh, I do find the, with the darts in his legs, like some of that I still think is is pretty funny. Oh, no, don't just stand there. Throw me a spear. just doesn't belong in this movie i guess no i i'm 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 like 100% with you it's just like it it doesn't go off the rails it like never had rails <laughs> yeah yeah you know, like the rails yeah. were never there so you just get this blob of like a shadow of the ace ventura that you knew and and came to love from the first movie jim carrey's insane you know garlic seasoning and just like no, no discernible plot that actually makes sense. A lot of the gags are even reheated. Like, like yeah. it, it feels like him going to a, you know, a fancy party. Okay. We get it. Like uh, it, it, the catchphrases or he's just like, if a, if a catchphrase became sentient, that's Ace Ventura in this movie. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. It, <it's>, that's <laughs> all he, every, every other word out of his mouth is alrighty then, or, you know, Uh, like a a glove or whatever like all of that stuff it's just (laughs) they think that just it's like later on and when the those parody movies like the date movie and disaster movie and all that they're like paris hilton pops up for no reason and you're just that's supposed to be a joke because yeah that's That's supposed to be a joke because we all know who paris hilton is it's like you don't just say a catchphrase and it's funny out of context that's not how it works that's how you end up with everybody (laughs) trying to think that they can be Sasha Baron Cohen by by quoting Borat. 
It's nice. Oh like it doesn't. And my wife. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. It has to work or, like organically in the context of the movie, uh, at least to some degree. And this movie doesn't even try. He's just yeah. performing them almost literally looking at the camera and being, who is there? Dependent oh, on, yeah, sure. it's dependent on you knowing and having seen the first one and like gotten a kick out of all of those catchphrases. Yeah, he he's a walking catchphrase. That's like, I've never heard anything described more perfectly. <laughs> I I do think there's a lot of like, there's a lot of stealthily, a, a really fun kind of ensemble cast behind the scenes. I think Simon Callow is pretty fun as, as oh God, the main bad guy and the villain. Uh, Bob Gunton, who's in Shawshank Redemption the previous year. Adewale, the, who would later be in Lost and like Suicide Squad and a million other movies. He's in this, like Sophie Okonedo, who's an Oscar nominated for Hotel Rwanda, like a decade later is in this yeah. as, the, as the princess. Like there's like, there's a really good cast of characters. It's just, they're not really playing characters. They're just standees for Jim Carrey to deliver catchphrases to essentially. Yeah. And that's unfortunate. The, uh, <laughs> There's a lot of promise with what was going on because if the African tribes are treated better, if if there was more layers and depth to those characters, like this, this could have been like an okay movie. It really could have been, but it's very one note. I I I gotta confess though, I still find enjoyment watching it just because I like Jim Carrey, but oh, yeah. I do not appreciate the movie at all. Like it's a it's a mess of a movie, and it feels like what annoys me the most about it is that it is a betrayal of the first movie. It, mm-hmm. it drops everything and just dials it up, and it is more like what if Ace Ventura was a buffoon? What if it was Adam Sandler, Rob Schneider? It would be like this movie probably. Uh, yeah, you know, he still uh, has kind of a, a Sherlock Holmes vibe where he has a couple scenes where he kind of rattles off all the details and kind of breaking down things down how, you know, he can tell that the Cadby is a uh, that's his name is <laughs> a workaholic or later on when he solves the case and about the, the guano and all that others that that part works, but you don't feel like he's in control driving this movie. You think he's just like literally kind of stumbling around through it. And that, and that, like you were saying, that is a shame. It's, it doesn't even, we don't even know a hundred percent how this relates to the first one. Is this like a Temple of Doom style prequel? Is this at some point after the fact? Like, how does this even, it, there, there is no connection to the first no, one. No, there's no context. There's absolutely, there's yeah. no context, no continuity, like no even nod to like the first one in it. Like, yeah. Like when is this movie <laughs> exactly. Well, it made it made 212 million at the worldwide box office, so I don't think anybody really cares. But I do I do think this is this is what Jim Carrey, this is why we have uh Dumb and Dumberer when Harry met Lloyd, Son of the Mask, Evan Almighty, and then the movie we're talking about in a second briefly, it's Ventura Junior Pet Detective or Pet Detective Junior. I can't decide because neither can the internet. Because I think he's like, yeah, no, that was not, I wish I hadn't done that. That big mistake. Let's let's not do any more sequels. And eventually he did do Dumb and Dumber 2, which is another movie I don't really like. But then again, I don't really care for much for Dumb and Dumber 1. But I, Oh, I, I love Dumb and Dumber 1. Yeah, I know. I feel like I'm in a minority with that. But That's, uh, I mean, it's I okay. Like the second one. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't like the second one either. But oh my God, that first one, it, that, that's one of those things that... Whether it's objectively good or not, I really don't care. It just yeah. brings me so much delight. 
We all have plenty of those movies from our childhood, for sure. Yeah, for uh, sure. So then this franchise sat on the shelf. He he runs away from both the, both African tribes after, after <laughs> off screen, I guess, taking the 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 princesses, or the chief's daughter or whatever, taking her virginity. And then he runs away. And that's, again, the last we see of, of Ace Ventura. Uh, until oh, 2009. What is that? What is that? <laughs> I can't. I'm sorry. Like, I can't with yeah. that whole thing with the the prince, like the the bride and like taking her. Like, what even was that about? That yeah. just makes him so. Oh, that's so out of character. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. No, I don't. There's a lot of things not to like. about. Oh, I'm movie. so mad about it. <laughs> So Ace Ventura Jr. It's okay. I understand. I it's it's a really weird place to end the movie on. I know. It's like this is your hero, ladies and gentlemen. I'm like, ugh. Oh, look at him. Take a shower now. Yeah, Ace Ventura in the first one, an honorable, albeit weird man. Ace Ventura in the second one, just a creeper. So you obviously, I didn't, I didn't make you watch Ace Ventura Jr. Pet Detective. Did you watch the trailer at least? Oh my God. Yes. I watched the trailer and I'm fairly certain I saw it once. Basically did. Yeah, I know. I basically did. No, but I'm pretty sure just out of morbid curiosity, I watched it like when it, when it, I think I might've like got it on Netflix when you had to like get DVDs from Netflix. Oh, wow. And uh, thoughts, I guess on, on this mess. Yeah, it's a mess. But it, 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 it harkens back to something that I said earlier in that like doing an Ace Ventura without Jim Carrey is just somebody trying to do a Jim Carrey impression. And I also, uh, the fact that Ace Ventura Jr.'s hair in that style is some kind of a genetic thing that he can't help doesn't sit well with me. It's, you know, it, it it, it basically makes everything about Ace Ventura is is just a family line of pet detectives and they all have weird, weird hair and they all wear Hawaiian shirts and they all they all talk like this baby all righty and stuff. oh yeah because baby it starts doing it like halfway through the movie wearing the shirts and using his dad's catchphrases not even you know the premise of the third one which to its credit at least has connections to the first movie and Cusack the also an actor who's the sister of Joan Cusack and John Cusack plays Melissa Robinson in this movie, the Courtney Cox character. So at some point after the first movie, they, I guess, got married, had a kid, and then he went on a case to the Bermuda Triangle and was never heard from again. So that's how they explain why they didn't give Jim Carrey any money for this mess. Uh, Oh my God. Like, I can't, I just can't with any of it. And you meet you. You mean to tell me that that Courtney Cox wouldn't sign on for this project? I uh, know, shocking, right? <laughs> shocking. It's so bad. It's so bad. It is. It's it. It is very bad. It, it's if, if everything in the second one was reheated, this is like I don't know reheating something that has already spoiled, and be like, we could salvage this, right? We'll pop it in the microwave for a couple minutes, and it'll be all right. Put some seasoning. Put some more garlic on top. Let's put some more garlic on it. Yeah. And, oh God, it's just so wrong-headed on so many levels. Essentially, nothing works. I watched the first half, and then I think the second half I kind of was watching on my phone while I was on my computer doing something else or something. It's one of those that you're just like, I don't even need to give this 
I don't even, it's like the, uh, the, the line in the social network where he's like, oh, you have, you know, you have the, the, a minimal, the minimum amount of my attention, the whatever. It's like that. Like I gave yeah. this movie the minimal amount of attention I needed to give it to follow it, which was basically like five to 10% of my attention span at that point. So it's, it's a mess. Uh, I watched it for this episode, mostly out of morbid curiosity, just because I am, I have such a history with the Ace Ventura franchise. And I was just like, well, if I was ever going to watch this mess, it's only like an hour and a half and it's accessible. It was on HBO max. Not that's not a, that's not an endorsement for people to watch it on HBO max, unless they're just, want to see how far this franchise can fall. I would say it's, it's clearly a descending order of these three. So I guess, Lauren, can you confirm Uh, the the ranking of this franchise? 100%, 100%. Like I, I said that, you know, when nature calls is leagues and leagues and leagues below, you know, pet detective and from what I remember, I, again, because I'm fairly certain I've watched the entire thing, but even just watching the trailer, I can say with full confidence that Ace Ventura Jr. Pet Detective, a.k.a. Ace Ventura Pet Detective Jr., is leagues and leagues and leagues below even when nature calls. It's just like, I, I think I can't even describe it any better than you did. Like, it's spoiled leftovers that you're trying to serve someone. Yeah, it's just, we'll get this kid, we'll pay him 10 bucks to dress like Ace Ventura, talk like Ace Ventura, and then people will buy this on DVD, right? And me as an Ace Ventura fan in 2009 was like, no, I don't want that. <laughs> I didn't see a lot of the, I mean, I've seen Son of the Mask. I think I saw that in theaters for some reason. And <laughs> it, 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 I think I learned my lesson then. Like, yeah, no, these don't work without Jim Carrey. Even Ace Ventura When Nature Calls didn't work with Jim Carrey as we, as we established. So... That being said, you know, just within the last few months, there was there were these reports about another Ace Ventura movie happening in the works with the writers of Sonic the Hedgehog, which obviously Jim Carrey just starred in. It was kind of I I, I wouldn't say it was a comeback for him, but I would say it was sort of a return to form where it felt very much like something he would have done right after you know, right after Ace Ventura, When Nature Calls, like it would have been a mid nineties and maybe it would have been more timely in the nineties when Sonic the Hedgehog was more relevant as a character. But how do you feel about, you know, 50 something year old Jim Carrey coming back to Ace Ventura? If that's indeed the case, there's no details confirmed about this movie other than the writers. Like what would we even want that movie to look like? Oh, that's a really good question. And, you know, I feel like everything's getting rebooted these days. So it wouldn't be outside of the realm of possibility and it, I don't it wouldn't really even offend me if they if they tried you know bringing Jim Carrey back to kind of reprise this character as a nearly 60 year old person because he his birth Jim Carrey's birthday is January 17th 1962 so yeah us Carries we know we know each other but anyway I think what I would want to see from that would be some kind of redemption of of the character himself from when nature calls. I'd like to know a how did he get out of the Bermuda Triangle. I'd like to know b did when nature calls happen before or after Pet Detective? Because again, that's not super clear. No, I feel like in my head, in my head, it might make sense more sense if when nature calls happened before Pet Detective because. Rather than the character regressing into what he was in When Nature Calls, it might help to kind of reimagine as the character progressing from that 
into who he was in Ace Ventura Pet Detective and then getting lost in the Bermuda Triangle and then coming out of that somehow, you know, maybe, maybe Snowflake saved him. Who knows? And coming, you know, what would be interesting having him go to like a therapist, like seeing Ace Ventura talk to a therapist and talk about like, yeah, I was really homophobic back in the day and transphobic (laughs) and things like that. But you know, I'm hashtag woke now. And like have him make it like I'm hashtag woke now and like kind of do it like that. That might be kind of funny, but I don't know if I'd actually want him to do that. But I'd like to see some kind of a redemption arc for this character to kind of bookend the whole the whole Ace Ventura experience, because there's been a lot of weird steps along the way. And I'd just like to see him be that likable guy again. Yeah. Yeah. No, there, there, there definitely has. I think you could probably get away with not even recognizing the junior one as canon. I think that's probably because that's the funny thing, too. I saw a lot of articles about this new project being like Ace Ventura 3 in the works. I'm like, there's already an Ace Ventura 3, kind of, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, but I think they, they could pretend that the 10 people that have seen that, including us, uh, <laughs> don't that, exist. That, that, did, that, that doesn't <laughs> happen. Like, and I would be fine with that. I, I would, I mean, my dream scenario would be Tom Shadiak coming back to direct it because yeah, oh, yeah. I do. I think he has his he his collaborations with Jim Carrey, I think are some of his best comedic performances. As we've said, Ace Ventura, Liar Liar, Bruce Almighty. I think they're really dialed in. Whether those movies work, they work on varying degrees for me. But I think that he knows how to kind of find the humanity in these larger-than-life characters that Jim Carrey creates. So I think that's part of it. I would like to see at least some of the returning bring get get Tone Loke back. Bring some of these yeah. people back. Bring him back What's to my do it anyway. Yeah, exactly. Tone local appreciate a check. Trust me. And and I I do I would like to see some kind of recognition of of the you know transphobia of the first movie. Like give Ace Ventura like a a you know a trans friend or someone that he contact. You know what I mean? Give him like like yeah, something to show Cox. that he's. Yeah, hell yeah. You know how he has all these connects. He in the first movie he like goes into that club and like to the back of the club and and goes and hangs out with his friend who's sending the whales, the whaling fleets like away from the, from the whales and like tracking all this aquatic stuff. And like, he's got, he's got friends in low places kind of thing. Yeah. Like, or, yeah. Or, 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 or there's a lot of gay penguins. There was a whole storyline on parks and recreation about two male penguins kind of being like life mates and stuff. Maybe mm-hmm. some kind of a storyline where he has to deal with gay penguins. Something, something that addresses it and shows that he has progressed past, you yeah, know, <laughs> freaking out in the in his bathroom, burning his clothes and be like, yeah. "Whoa, no!" or whatever he was doing. It's yeah, I would, I would love some recognition of that. Get that, get Shady Act. Let Jim Carrey kind of have a hand in, like at least coming up with the story, if not the script, because I think you need to get that team back together for, uh, sure. for the first. One. And you know, you and I are both fans of Bill and Ted. They did uh-huh. a Bill and Ted movie. That shouldn't have worked. I love Face the Music. I've seen it like uh, several times in the last year. It's become my my pandemic comfort movie. That's and awesome. you have 50 something year old Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter being like, you know, doing air guitar and and all of this stuff. <laughs> Excellent. You can get Jim Carrey in a Hawaiian shirt again. I think it, it can 100%. happen. It just it has to be the right approach. Otherwise it's going to feel really sad. If you don't, yeah. if you don't get it right, it's going to be very depressing to see 60 year old Jim Carrey be like, all righty then. Righty then. So are there any closing thoughts on the Ace Ventura franchise? I think we did a pretty 
thorough job going through this, these two movies and one abomination that, that is yeah. this franchise. No, I mean, again, I, I like the Ace Ventura character. I find him to be, uh, he's comforting in its way. I dig the look, you know, he's funny. I'd like to see him be redeemed. And if you're going to watch one of these three movies, watch the first one and don't even bother. Yeah, 100%. I think it, yeah, the other two are, yeah, not not great representations of what this character is at his best. Minus, again, minus the transphobia stuff, but like all of that stuff. Yeah. All of like who the character is, is minus that. Part. And I have to always like preface it with that now. And it annoys the hell out of me. I know. That, that it has aged that poorly in that way. But it's like, I still love it. You're my imperfect little angel. It's Ventura Detective, but yes, hundred percent. So Lauren, can you tell people where they can find you on social media as well as the Beard Owl podcast? Oh, absolutely. First of all, thank you so much, Robert, for having me on another one of your, your franchise of shows. I love talking to you. It's always a blast, but oh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, I am one of the hosts of the Beard Owl podcast. That's beer like you drink, apostrophe D, Al. So it's like Weird Al, but with beer. And we talk about craft beer and Weird Al. And you can find us on Twitter at Beard Al Podcast. Just one word, no punctuation, just Beard Al Podcast. Same on Instagram at Beard Al Podcast and Facebook.com slash Beard Al Podcast. And we are on all of your podcatchers. You can find us pretty much anywhere. And we have a good time. We have some some fun things happening in the future. We've we've just hit a year of actually doing this, and I'm surprised that people are still listening to us. But <laughs> if people are still listening, I'm going to keep talking. So that's that's what you got. <laughs> yeah, congrats. That's awesome. Thanks. It's hard. It's hard to finding time for these things. So I, that's a big deal. You got to give yourselves credit for that. Yeah, we try. I mean, for me, I've got I've got way more time than my brother, who's my co-host. He's got a gosh, he's got a two and a half year old now. When we started, she was one and a half. So it, she was a little easier to manage when we started. It's getting increasingly difficult to schedule with him because she's like a person now versus somebody you can yeah. put down for a nap. Uh, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so Yeah, totally. And, uh, you know, you're always welcome to to come on to this show again or any of my other things. I actually thought that if I hadn't pitched the Ace Ventura franchise to you, I was going to bring up the Pee Wee Herman franchise. So if that's something you're down for, we can do that at some point. One hundo, 100% down for Pee Wee. Well then, keep keep your ears out for that at some point, listeners. We'll we'll definitely get Lauren back on here to talk some some Pee Wee Herman. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much, Lauren. Thank you. Big thanks to Lauren Carey of the Beard Owl Podcast for coming on to discuss the Ace Ventura franchise. Now, I want to know which of the two Jim Carrey movies, because we're going to set Junior Pet Detective aside for a minute, which of the two Jim Carrey movies is your favorite? I know you would think Pet Detective is the, is the standout, but a lot of people stand for When Nature Calls. We have our thoughts, as you heard on this episode, but which do you prefer? Let me know. You can find me on Twitter at Crooked Table, the same handle on Instagram, and via email at robert at crookedtable.com. For now, that's a wrap on another Crooked Table production. We'll catch you next time. Did 
This has been a production of CrookedTable.com. All rights reserved. Z-R-O-O-K-E-D. <laughs> <laughs>